Alexa Bliss is in charge, AJ Styles is facing Drew McIntyre, and The Miz continues to be the absolute worst, and more in this week's review of Monday Night Raw. So this one's going to be a real casual talk because uh, I'm having to record this very early in the morning, at least early for me, and I watched this late at night while slightly intoxicated, which means that I'm going to be... (laughs) I'm going to be remembering this show as we go through my notes, so this is going to be a real cash rundown. The show opens with a moment of bliss with Randy Orton, and it really has just been nothing. It was nothing but recaps. It was a lot of recapping everything that's happened up to this point. At one point, Alexa looks at Randy and is like, I'm sorry you got attacked by the Fiend. I don't know why he did it, but maybe you should look at yourself and be like... What did I do to make the fiend bad? Basically, they're they're literally just, hey, audience, you remember that time Randy Orton burned down Bray Wyatt's house? That's why this is happening. It was uh, so ham-fisted. Alexa Bliss has a baby in a cage, and the cage is her is a, is a table. I don't understand it. And then Randy actually cuts a pretty decent promo. He compares himself to The Fiend. He's like, The Fiend wears all of his pain on his outside, but I keep mine bottled up. Um, I hear voices like Bray hears voices. And I don't know why, like, I guess, I mean, his theme song, I hear voices in my head. Yeah, but Randy Orton's never seemed super crazy to me like they always try to pass him off as like yeah he's a psychopath but he's never come off as like a crazy guy but for some reason this promo randy's trying to be like i'm a crazy guy and i have to find the fiend's weakness and then he looks at alexa and he goes and i think i just did and then in the best moment of the segment alexa drops her little girl routine and looks at randy and cuts just a genuine Alexa Bliss promo on him before ending it with, who do you think is manipulating who? And I said, oh, ooh, it was a very, it won't, in a segment that was just so ham-fisted, it was a very interesting development for Alexa to be like, no, I'm manipulating the fiend and the lights go out and randy goes do you see what i mean and then they cut out a little bit more and alexa goes do you see what i mean and then the lights come back on and um and randy's just holding alexa scooby-doo style and i don't like he's just holding her in his arms and then the fiend looks at him and is like no (laughs) give her here so uh randy gives the fiend alexa And then Randy rolls out of the ring super fast, even though he was trying to get the Fiend there. And then he just starts screaming, who's laughing now? Even though no one was laughing. I guess it's because last week's Raw ended with the Fiend laugh, but Randy, you know that's just like, that's just a pre-programmed audio clip, right? It's the same laugh every week. Like, that's just like a, that's a MIDI file they're hitting play on. So, yeah, that was, it It was a good segment with a very 
very rough ending. But now let's get on to a bad match with a very, very bad ending. And it is Elias versus Jeff Hardy in a Symphony of Destruction match. And this, whoo, guys, let me, let me tell you right now, this was artful how bad of a match this was. And that is nothing to slight both of these men. Elias, I know, can put on good matches. Jeff Hardy can put on phenomenal matches. I'm aware of what these two men can do. But this match, if you... In the past, I've talked about matches that incorporate elements of what many people consider to be parts of a good match. Um, A double down, a near countout, stuff like that. Um, multiple near falls. Those are usually added in. They're, they're little notes that you can give to the audience to let them know, oh, this match is good. This match is combative. I mean, both of these men have beat each other down, that they're staying down for 10 seconds at a time. This had all the markings of a bad match, which included R-Truth hiding in a piano. Let's see. Uh, dumb instruments all around for no apparent reason. Elias gets sent through a gong. And then Elias gets electrocuted and hit with a fucking bass. Like an upright bass that Jeff Hardy just yeets into his back. And that's when I said, okay, that's the end of the match. Because a man just got electrocuted. And WWE said, no, let's keep it going. Swanton off the top through a table that not only is Elias on, but Hardy to improve how deadly this move was, just put a bunch of violins on top of him, hits the swanton, and then cracks his skull on the back of the steel steps. So, botched ending, dumb electrocutions, terrible gimmick. Uh, At the one point, the referee calls for a rope break, even though this is a false count anywhere, no DQ match, but rope breaks can happen, apparently. Just every... It was excellent. Everything you could want in a bad match is here. You got botches. You got hurt. You you got injury. You got everything that makes up. And I'm only joking about the injury because we know Hardy is fine. That is the only reason I'm joking about it. But, oh, it was artful how terrible this match was. Um, I, I fell in love with it. Slowly as it went on, I was just like... You know what? No, this rules. Because in the beginning, I did try to be, like, analytical Scotty. Because this is, I've said it before, this is my least favorite storyline. Because Elias has veritable cause, good reason, to think Jeff Hardy hit him with a car. This whole story is based around Elias rightfully trying to get revenge on a man who he thinks tried to murder him. It is a very deep, emotional, resonant storyline. And they pay it off with this dumb match with gongs and bazoons and Elias just playing the drums. Oh, mm, WWE, you've outdone yourself on this one. Excellent vintage on this match. Uh, We get a promo from Riddle and Lee, and by a promo, I mean Riddle comes up to Keith Lee, annoys him, and then Keith Lee leaves. Anyways, next segment... We get a replay of the Retribution Ricochet stuff from three weeks ago because this is a three-hour show and we have to have a million recaps. Uh, And then we get a promo from Retribution where he's still trying to uh, recruit Ricochet into Retribution. He's still trying to get uh, his brother to join him. And 
I just... God, Retribution could have been so good, but it's not. But that happened. Then Slapjack talks, and he tries to talk spooky, but he still just sounds like a good old Australian Aussie. Good old Outback boy. And uh, Ricochet versus Slapjack is up next, and... Alright. This happened. Ricochet had a lot of fire in the beginning, uh, then uh, Retribution distracts him, it allows him to get advantage, and then Ricochet fights back, fights back from all, all of the offense Slapjack puts on him, but right before he can get a near fall, Mace and T-Bar come down, and now he is basically in a handicap match. But ri- that doesn't matter because it's Retribution, so Ricochet just destroys all of them, absolutely wrecks them. Then Dana Brooks shows up and slaps Ali, and it took me about 10 seconds before I remembered, oh, right, because Mia Yim attacked her. That's why this is happening. Well, good, now we've got a feud between these two. They blow it off later on the show, so it doesn't even freaking matter. But yeah, that happens. Um, Ricochet then fights all the members of Retribution, but Slapjack hits a very ineffective looking move and then gets the pinfall due to all of the distractions. And this was just chaos and a half. I would I would have loved to see Shane Thorne versus Ricochet have a normal match, but nope, WWE said let's just throw as much meat on this table as we can and someone will eat. Let's go. So then we get Miz TV versus or with Sheamus. And this whole segment is based around the Miz mizzing around, doing everything he can to either break up Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, get Sheamus to turn on Drew McIntyre. It was honestly a little interesting because you were watching the heels mindset at work. So he starts off by trying to break them up. Then that doesn't work. Then he starts bringing the WWE Championship into into the picture and a potential future match for Sheamus. He starts uh, bringing up money in the bank. And then once that doesn't work, they just beat up Sheamus. And uh, I'll be honest, Sheamus was the highlight of this because Sheamus is Honestly, this is the best babyface, if you call it that, run he has ever had. Because he's being very charming. He's very being very personable. I love him and McIntyre as a little allegiance. And it was a fun little will-they-won't-they they of will Sheamus eventually turn on McIntyre. Because McIntyre doesn't come out to save Sheamus. Uh, McIntyre, in fact, later in the back kind of makes fun of Sheamus and was kind of a dick to him. So it's a real will he turn, won't he turn? And that's the big question going into the main event of the show, a match that shouldn't be the main event, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Then we get a match we literally fucking had last week, Lana and Asuka versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jacks, you know, no, fuck it, fuck it. D- D- Lana pinned Shayna. I'm just gonna rip that band aid off right now. And what makes me mad is I kind of like the way they did it because what happens is that Lana is locked in the Kira Fuda clutch. Asuka just runs in and cracks Shayna in the side of the head, and Lana just kind of falls back onto Shayna to get the pinfall. So, in a way. For them to win, Lana did have to get choked out, so I'm I'm kind of fine with it, but otherwise, 
Yeah, this wasn't a good match. This was not a good match. Uh, there were some good moments. It was a lot better than last week. I'll give it that. Because Lana actually seemed like she wanted to be a fighter. Lana actually seemed like she wanted to be a wrestler. And her terrible moveset and pre-programmed punches notwithstanding, I was somewhat impressed with her during this. So good for you, Lana. They got a victory. But Lana pinned Shayna Baszler, and I will never forgive WWE for that. I will never forgive them for what they've done. So then we get the segment I talked about earlier. McIntyre shows up, kind of acts like a dick to Sheamus, but it does come from that kind of rough boy attitude that they've got of, ah, you did, you had fun out there though, didn't you? You, you did a, you did a good punch fight, Sheamus. So they talk back and forth, and then you could see in Seamus' eyes, like, well, I am his friend. Why hasn't he given me a title shot? You start to see the seeds of doubt grow in the mind, and it was really, really interesting. And then we get uh, Xavier versus Cedric Alexander, which I was actually very much excited for. The New Day start off with a promo, uh, during which they put over the fact that Austin Creed is a new host on G4, which popped me. I also loved that Xavier took from holding his mic like a wine glass to holding it normal to speak to the audience as Austin Creed. Reminded me of when um, The Rock returned and he was like, let me talk to the audience's Dwayne. And then just took off his sunglasses because that's what makes him The Rock. I should steal Dwayne Johnson's sunglasses and then I will become Rock. So um, they cut a promo on that and then they start cutting a promo on the Hurt Business. And it was really fun. They went back to all of their matches and Xavier's doing commentary over the finishes. It was really, really fun. And then... Uh, the segment was getting too good, so they sent out the Hurt Business, where MVP, he's been great lately, but oh boy, you botched it on this one. MVP botched it on this one because he was just like, I'm going to give you a dose of reality. And I'm like, bud, you've lost your last three matches. This is not your time. At least be like, you know what? You've been good in the past, but we will return or something like that. But no, instead he's like, well... That count out, we won, so we're tied. I'm like, you've had three matches, my dude. What are you talking about? So it it was very bizarre. It was a terrible promo. Cedric vo- Cedric's voice cracked. <laughs> he just got in the ring and went, it was dumb luck. His voice cracked, and it panned to Xavier, and Xavier is literally trying his best not to corpse. It was great. It was very, very good. And then the match begins. And, um, yeah, it was good shit. Like, what did you expect? It's Xavier and Cedric Alexander. It's a phenomenal fucking match. Those two are great. And it's also kind of revealed who said, like, I'm I'm growing on Cedric because I was really afraid that he would fall in line and just become one of the Hurt Business guys, that kind of robotic, big, strong man, although he's a, a little strong man. No, instead, he's kind of got... This young gun, hot shot, hot head attitude. Like, even after the match... Oh, by the way, uh, goes for a dive to the outside. Xavier avoids it. And then they roll into the ring. 
and then Xavier gets caught with a lumbar check. That was probably the worst part was the ending. And I'm going to try to not let that flavor the rest of the match, but it did have a rough ending. But after that, Cedric just runs up the ramp like, I did it! I got him! I did it! I did it! And it was really fun because you saw the Hurt Business in the ring, and of course they are businessmen, they're trying to keep it together. And Cedric's just like, yeah! So I love Cedric and the Hurt Business right now because he's something different for them. He's a different character, not the same whatever. So yeah, Cedric is really fun. This was a really, really fun segment. And then we get a segment with Matt Riddle and AJ Styles where Matt Riddle annoys AJ Styles. He makes almost laugh, which was a weird, weird moment. Then they start talking about a rabbit. Then he calls AJ Styles cute. And then that was the fucking end of the segment. Moving on. That's it. Let's go. Uh, we get Lee versus Riddle versus AJ. Of course, a uh, a triple threat match to determine the new number one contender to Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship. And this was uh, a pretty fucking good match. Like, in the beginning, it was a little bit slow getting out, but I liked it because they played with convention. It wasn't two guys getting the ring fight and then the other guy interrupts then him and someone else fight then another guy interrupts it wasn't that instead it was a little bit more clever than that it was it the story of the match really was can matt riddle and aj styles over over uh overpower keith lee because keith was dominating he was brutal during this i'm also i know i didn't like him initially but i'm coming around to almost as uh aj styles little heater because they're doing stuff I have never thought about a manager doing. So, like, taking a pick or catching AJ as someone attacks him on the outside and then just yeeting him up on the apron so AJ can hit a running PK. Great. Almost is really, really fun. Um, at one point, AJ goes for a Styles clash on Riddle, and then uh, uh, Keith Lee comes behind and gets him by the waist. And I genuinely thought he was about to suplex both of those motherfuckers. Because I'm like, Keith Lee can do it! Keith can do it! But then, of course, it comes down to the two new talent on Raw. Riddle versus Keith Lee, battling it out. Brutality, back and forth. And then, one errant shot from Riddle puts Lee back... And he walks straight into a phenomenal forearm. One, two, three. AJ Styles wins. And this, unlike the last match, this ending was perfect for me. Because I feel like no one came into this wanting AJ to win. Which is good, because he's the heel. So we shouldn't want the heel to win. Um, But there's also layers on it. it. There's the layers of, okay, well, they need to give a new person an opportunity. So everyone's looking to riddle or more likely, Keith Lee. So no one expected AJ to win. So the end of the match being those two battling it out is smart because now everyone's invested. They're saying, okay, it's going to be one of these two guys. That's good. A fresh face in the division. And then AJ swoops in like a bat out of hell to steal the victory. And it was a very good veteran heel move. Let the two big boys fight it out. And then when, when one of them gets knocked down, Take out the other with a forearm, get the victory. I loved it. Very, very good. This was my match of the night, I think. It was in, it, sh- it should be. It deserves to be. It was the number one contenders match. It was a triple threat between three amazing talents. And I hate to say it, but Matt Riddle is an amazing talent, even if he is a shitty human being. Also, this really should have been the main event, don't you think? I know I've been harping on main events in the past, but like, y'all? 
This is a number of this match has important stakes. Unlike Sheamus and Drew versus Miz and Morrison, which is nothing. I get he's your champ, but okay. So up next, we get a promo from Miz and Morrison for the main event. And essentially, the interviewer, I can't remember who it was, asks, Sheamus isn't turning on... This was also weird, because like part of the show, they were like, Sheamus will never turn on Drew McIntyre. Their friendship is too strong. And they would pull that story. And then later in the show, they're like, Sheamus is definitely turning on it, uh, on Drew. Like, it was so weird. I'm like, okay, so wait, does the locker room think he's going to do it or they're not going to do it? I don't understand. But this one was based in the idea that Sheamus wasn't turning. So they ask, do you have a plan going forward? And then Miz and Morrison are like, yes. And then they don't, because they're the fucking worst. I used to love these. I used to love these guys. They used to be really, really good, because they're cartoon characters. And I love that, but now they are in a main event storyline with Drew McIntyre, and it feels a little bit weird when Bugs Bunny shows up in Game of Thrones. So, yeah, um, it, apparently John Morrison has a plan going forward. John Morrison has an idea, and we, we have to wait to find out what that is. And now we get Dana Brooke versus Reckoning, because WWE can't keep it in their pants. They were like, well, Dana's back. Time to fight, I guess. And Reckoning has a promo where she basically says, like, I understand you have a problem with me making an example out of you. But you do not take it out on the leader of Retribution. You do not take it out on Ali. And um, y'all remember how Mia Yim's a good fucking wrestler? Because this match reminds you. This match reminds you. I also love the fact that within the first minute, her dumb mask came off and she just got to be Mia Yim. It was really, really good. Um, It was brutalistic. Mia Yim got to do Mia Yim shit. It was... Also, the commentary didn't bring up the mask thing, which was weird to me, because I understand they were probably like, just ignore it. Just ignore it and maybe we don't talk about it. But like... It seems like a big deal. The masks are like part of retribution. That's the that's kind of their christening to come into the group as they get a mask. So like, it, oh god, they are the they are shitty Dark Order, aren't they? Ah, damn it. Well, anyways, that uh that match happens, and then of course end of the match. Uh, I honestly can't even remember how this happens, but Dana pins reckoning. Off of a roll-up, which is two weeks in a row that there's a bullshit roll-up victory. And then Dana runs up the ramp like she did something. You came into this match wanting revenge for Reckoning taking you off of the Team Raw Survivor Series team. You should want to brutalize her. You should want to beat her down, not win by a roll-up. But Dana's like, I fucking did it. And then Ali gets in the ring, gets down next to Mia, and screams that there is no failure in Retribution because he has not been paying attention to this storyline. And uh, some people are saying this might be the end of Mia's run with the group. They may, may be trying to take her away alongside Mercedes Martinez, who was what... R- Rooster Teeth? No, that wasn't her name. Red, 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 I don't know. Whatever her name was. So yeah, Mia Yim may be going the way of uh, Martinez, but I hope not because I'm really excited to see Mia Yim in the ring, and maybe next week she just kills Dana Brooke. 
drops her off at Titan Towers and is like, hey, I'm actually a good wrestler. Let me go. So now in the next segment, we get Miz and Morrison going after AJ Styles. And I actually like this because they want AJ to attack Drew later because reasons. Oh, also they brought him a pie? I don't know. They brought him a peach pie and it's just like not explained. Like it honestly seems like a last minute writer's note that they're like, well, it's a segment's about to film, so we gotta do it now, I guess. Give him the pie. So they give him a pie, and AJ's like, sure, I'll help you. I'll take care of him. And they're like, why? And then AJ, ever the tactician, goes, it'll be a lot easier for me to beat you than beat Drew McIntyre. Sure, I'll help. And I love that. That was very, very good. And then um, AJ asks for the pie with the most Georgian accent I've ever heard. He's like, give me that peach pie. Leave that here, Morrison. And then he takes the pie and then almost looks down at it. And in the quote of the night says, that's not a pie. That's a cupcake. And I sat on that line for about a good 10 minutes because I think they went to commercial after that. So I just kind of had to stare for a few like, the fuck does that mean? What the fuck does that? It's not a pie. It's a cupcake. What is the fuck is that and then i i eventually had to go to twitter and they're like oh it's because he's a big boy it's because almost is big the pie seems like a cupcake to him and i'm just bud make give him a cake then give him a cake do not give him a pie because then fuck it was so bizarre this i guess it was because i was on a level of intoxicant last night but like the the bad shit in this episode of Raw was pristine. It was pristine, grade A, crystal, good, bad shit. So yeah, that happened. Um, and then we get a segment with Riddle setting up him versus Lashley. Because of course we know he annoyed MVP last week. And now MVP's out to get his revenge. Riddle uh, annoys MVP, which has been the impetus behind all of his segments tonight and then gets taken out by Bobby Lashley ending the segment and now we move on to the main event Miz and Morrison versus McIntyre and Sheamus and this was a weird segment because all night they were advertising McIntyre returning to Raw finally returning after weeks away and they were advertising McIntyre and Sheamus versus Miz and Morrison as two separate things like they were just like oh he's finally back And then almost as if there was a separate wrestler named Drew McIntyre who was having a match. Like, they didn't... There was no cognition between them. It was very, very bizarre. But McIntyre gets to have a little promo, and fuck, he's good. McIntyre's good. That's all I could say. He's a great babyface champion. He is phenomenal. He wants another match with uh, Roman eventually, which, hell yeah, I, I would be very excited to see that. And really, it was just a recap, is all it was. It was a recap of what's been going on with Drew, what happened at Survivor Series. Uh, It was filler. It was a lot of filler, but because it was Drew McIntyre, it was okay. So we come back from commercial, which, uh, by the way, I've, I've never done this before, but I tried to see how long Raw would be if you cut video, cut out all the video packages, cut out all the commercials, and cut out all the superstar entrances. It was literally like an hour. <laughs> like, 
The substance. One third of this show is substance and the rest is flash. Wow. Okay, so now the match begins. AJ Styles is on commentary and Sheamus is just beating the shit out of these boys. Uh, neither one, like Miz nor Morrison, are able to get advantage uh, as both of them just get railed by Sheamus. But eventually. We do have to go to a commercial break, which means the heels take advantage, I guess. So, heels take advantage during the commercial break. Sheamus finally gets the hot tag to Miz and McIntyre as AJ Styles waits on at ringside while his tag partner, who might turn on him, waits. This was the Spider-Man 3 of wrestling matches. Whereas in Spider-Man 3, there were too many villains. This one just has too much shit going on because it's a matter of like... Well, you've got the new number one contender, AJ Styles, over there, and he's probably going to attack him. We've got Miz with his Money in the Bank briefcase, but then you also have Miz and Morrison, who just want to be a successful tag team. But then you also have Sheamus, who may turn on Drew, and then you like it was layers upon layers upon layers of bullshit, which is why I think this match should have went earlier in the night. That way, AJ wouldn't have been number one contender yet, and you could have just peeled that one layer away and had somewhat of a better match so end of the match McIntyre is finally coming back I believe he claymored Morrison I honestly can't remember at this point because this match was it was a rough night for me and then AJ hits a phenomenal forearm getting them instantly DQ'd and then this is what I love because AJ on commentary kind of reverted back to his comedy character but he found a way to blend it in with like main eventer AJ Styles it was really nice and so after he hits the forearm, he just looks like, where's the briefcase? And I genuinely for a fucking moment thought, if this plays out where he forgot to bring out the briefcase to ringside, I will never watch this show again. If they pull some dumb shit like Miz making this entire plan and then just forgetting the briefcase, I will be fucking furious. But no, Miz has the briefcase. But before he cashes it in, in, quote unquote, uh, he allows Morrison to hit Starship Pain and then Miz hits the skull crushing finale. That's three separate finishers. Drew McIntyre is now taken. So finally, AJ gets the briefcase in the ring because, of course, he wants Miz to be champion so he can beat the Miz. And then, of course, Miz looks and you see a moment of doubt. By the way, Sheamus fucking gone. Sheamus is gone at this point. He got thrown over the barricade and he just was never seen again. I it was a, It's apparently a long fall on the other side of that barricade. But uh, Miz finally is like, I don't know, should I cash in? Because he's also got the looming threat of AJ Styles on his mind. But finally he says, screw it! I'm gonna do it! And then he grabs the briefcase is about to get cashed in and then just gets fucking Claymore in the face because Drew don't care. Drew don't care about your phenomenal forearms. Drew don't care about your starship pains. And then finally he beats down McAd- or he beats down Morrison, he beats down The Miz and finally just stares face to face with AJ who just kind of ends up on almost his shoulders and being pulled out of the ring while being like, you don't want to fight me. You're lucky he's holding me. You're lucky he's he's playing one of my favorite tropes, which is I don't actually want to fight, but I have to pretend like I want to fight. And um, yeah, that's a great way to set up your new number one contender and put AJ Styles back in the spotlight. WWE, good work. So, um, God... 
I don't think I've done this before, but I think this episode was well done. I think, actually, no, I think this was burnt to a crisp. This was a terrible episode of Monday Night Raw, and if it was not for some substances that I might have taken last night, I would not have been able to make it. I would have been a lot more angry with this. I would have been a lot more furious. But do you agree? Do you disagree? Were my thoughts a little bit off? Let me know either in the comments or on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-E-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, remember to support us on Patreon.com slash a load of BS. But until next time, remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boys Show, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life. 